0: Hi and welcome to the Crime Pods. I'm Caitlin and I'm Sam. So this week I'm going to be talking about a case that has been requested by multiple of our listeners and it's probably one of our highest requested ones. So this week I'm going to be telling you the story of Teresa Riggi. you heard of this person like do you know anything about her does her name ring a bell or anything it rings zero bells it's just not coming to me what i know okay so this is actually set in edinburgh so
1: i can't believe i've not heard of it though. yeah and it's oh, actually set not
0: mean? far from us like what happens
1: so oh, i will gosh. take you
0: back to the start so Theresa McCrane was born in Bakersfield in California in 1963. I'm trying to find out about her childhood, and even if that's her correct last name, is actually quite difficult because she went by her married name from this case, which is Theresa Riggi. Um, she was, like, you, we hear about her mum, so her mum, Patricia, but I can't really find any information about her dad either. As far as I'm aware, she was really well-educated and was quite musical. She actually played the violin really well. And she lived quite a sheltered life. Like she hadn't held down a job since graduating high school in 1982. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The main one being that she had an accident in her teens, which left her unable to do laborious work. And actually she was unable to function to play the violin and sing.
1: So Aww. she lost
0: that talent, which I wasn't musical. But I know that music and sport is a huge part of people's lives. And to lose the ability to do that I must have taken quite a hit. But I think as well, the fact she was sheltered and didn't need to really work also kind of is why she didn't. She was quiet and she didn't really have much close connections to her apart from her family and then her husband. So in September, on September the 30th, 1989, she married an oil and gas engineer from Colorado, sorry, called Pascal Riggie. They had a Catholic service by the local priest and pretty much soon after they married, she became this housewife and she just loved it. He had a really good job. He worked for Shell. Oh,
1: um, the dream for your husband. Yeah, and he a had job.
0: a very, very... Yeah, you know, oil and gas engineer for Shell is really, really good. So they were very money-orientated. They were said to have lived this really good life and they just had what they wanted. They would go out for a fancy dinner. Their house is always just looked amazing. And they had to do this. So they basically would follow the money. So they went wherever the money was, which meant they kept moving like around, job. like he kept moving around with Shell. In 1990, basically still in their kind of honeymoon period, you know, not long after they've got married, um, they actually moved to Denver in Colorado, which is where Pascal is from, but that's over a thousand miles away from where she's grown up, this kind of sheltered life for his new job. When they got there, obviously, she's from California. She loves the summers, everything like that. However, the winters in Colorado, like they're pretty famous, how cold it gets. So she really wasn't used to that. So they decided to follow the job further for more money, somewhere, do you know, a bit warmer. So they moved to England in the winter of (laughs) 1997. As you can imagine, this is a huge move, like moving a thousand miles across. America was big, but they've now moved continent, which is a big, big move for a girl that was quite sheltered and quite close to her small family. So, when in England, he continued working for Shell. She wasn't too keen on the summers here. I don't think really we have summers in the UK, but for people that knew her in England, she said to have quite a quirky personality. But their relationship was really solid and they were just a nice couple. As I said, they had loads of money, they had nice dinners, they travelled the world. They used to host large parties for his fellow Shell colleagues. And this is what Teresa like loved doing. So she would really show up for these parties. Like visitors would actually be like taken aback. Like they'd come in and she's like clearly spent all this time like decorating the table and putting on these like amazing, like multiple courses, dinners when it's really like just hosting her husband's work friends but she would make it like way above the effort than any of the rest of the wives did which to some they'd be a bit like oh right okay but then they're getting treated so they would kind of just let it go and just accept that that's what she was like it all sounds pretty picture perfect but one thing that wasn't about Teresa's life is she was trying for a baby but they naturally couldn't fall pregnant she felt like her life was just missing the fact they couldn't have a child and they were pretty unsure why they couldn't it wasn't like he couldn't or she couldn't they actually don't know why they couldn't so in the early 2001 they actually went through IVF and she was implanted with two embryos and the rest of them were frozen now they said that sometimes with the two neither can work sometimes both can work they're not too sure but she actually falls pregnant with twins. And as you can imagine, oh, wow. like Pascal was a bit worried, however, about having kids. And this isn't because he was worried about becoming a dad. He was actually starting to grow concerns about Teresa, as he believed she wasn't quite herself, and the relationship was starting to strain. Now, there could be so many reasons for that. The fact they've moved to England is a huge one, but also the fact they've been trying and can't have kids. So I think he was a bit worried, however, falling pregnant with twins he's completely pushed that to the side because he thinks this is what she wants. Mm-hmm. She also, he noticed like it wasn't just the stress as well. She'd started to, like, she was, as I'd said earlier, she was quite quirky and had quite a different personality, but people were starting to, like, it started actually coming across as rude. And, like, people would say, like, oh, it's because she's American, blah, blah, but I think he was starting to be a bit uncomfortable with some of the things he said. Um, In December 2001, they actually had twins, non-identical boys, called Augustino and Gianluca. Now, this was obviously because they've got Italian heritage, but living in England, they were nicknamed Austin and Luke. So that is what their twins went by over here. So Austin and Luke. She started experiencing postnatal behaviour, so she refused health visitors to come into the house and actually brought their crib into her room. And she made Pascal sleep somewhere else as she wanted to be close to them. Okay, right. So she actually wanted them to be, like, next to her and he had to, like, leave and go into the room. Mm -hmm. As you can imagine, they're sharing very little intimacy. And actually, by this point, love. Like, people actually noticed, like, they weren't as loved up as they should be, especially this loved up couple who've just had, like, babies. you think this is, like, the time they would be the happiest. But it wasn't. So when it was time for the twins to move into their own room, Pascal got to move back into the main bedroom but she actually then moved out that bedroom and built a bed in the boys' room and began sleeping there. So she would share a bed with her son, like with her son's, like a bedroom, sorry, with them, and Pascal would sleep on his own in their bed. She then decided upon herself at the end of 2003 to attend IVF clinic again, and it worked, and she fell pregnant again. So at this point, Pascal was like, well, I'm noticing these strange behaviours, however. A new baby coming in. This might make everything better. On the 9th of August, they had Cecilia, but they actually didn't have her in England just prior her birth. They actually moved for another shell job, so they moved to the Netherlands.
1: And Cecilia
0: was born in the Netherlands. Teresa, however, wasn't a fan of the Netherlands and began complaining about the poor antenatal standards in the Netherlands. And she wanted to move back to England. At this point, their relationship was working so much better and they were a lot happier. So Pascal agrees and they move back to England. However, when they get back to England, things start, like, going a bit wrong again. And she actually goes for IVF for the fourth time. Third time, sorry. She goes for the third time. However, this doesn't work. Now, like... You've already been lucky enough to have three kids and I I can't imagine how difficult it must be trying and going through IVF and not getting it. But she completely blames Pascal for this, saying that he's making her stressed, the relationship is straining her. Um, And, you know, everyone said that he was a quite a nice, well-spoken man, but she was saying that it was rude to her in the house and this is why she wasn't able to conceive again. In October 2006, Pascal actually couldn't deal with the way he was spoken to and the way the relationship was going. So he actually left and decided to go to a lawyer immediately as he was dedicated to his children. So he decided to divorce her and to seek like visitation rights with his kids. Mm -hmm. He Actually, annoyingly, as he was going through this, he got a new job in Aberdeen a few days after he put this request in. So as he was heading to move to Aberdeen, Teresa actually packed the children and headed back to the Netherlands. So they went all the way back to the Netherlands. Yeah. So she just was like, right, we're going back there, even though she had complained so much about it. But anyway, in February of 2007, the legal pressure and maybe guilt, I think, got to Teresa. So she actually returned to the UK and moved to Skeen, which is near Aberdeen. I don't know if anyone really knows much about that. I think it's quite a small wee place just near Aberdeen. So she was basically making all of his requests quite difficult and she decided to actually refuse unsupervised visits and limited his days. So whenever he visited the kids, she would be there and he actually couldn't see his yeah. children on his own. He was basically offered good visitation terms by the court. However, and he did start creating like a good bond with them. The couple, like Teresa and Pascal, actually didn't have any contact but seeing as she was there through all these visits. They obviously had to kind of acknowledge each other, but they didn't have any contact prior to that. He did have a concern, however, as Teresa decided to homeschool the children. And he was concerned that they wouldn't have the kind of social interaction they needed. And then he also found out that every night the four of them shared a bed. Okay. So she would share a bed with her three kids every single night. So they were sheltered, but in like a dangerous way. It wasn't like a, oh, she just doesn't want to, like, have them running around in case they fall and hurt themselves. It's like she won't even have them going to school. Yes. In yeah. yeah exactly. In 2009, Pascal actually got a new girlfriend in Aberdeen. And as you can imagine, like, Teresa did not like this and made it very, very obvious she wasn't happy. And she said that he would never see the children again now that he had a new girlfriend, which you hear of that so many times and it's just so... It's so ridiculous yeah like him being a dad has nothing to do with the fact that he has moved on like what three years after mm-hmm. splitting up with her over the course of 2009 she defied court to reduce his access and she basically wouldn't let him see the kids they he would be like oh I've got a visitation this day she wouldn't bring them to it and by early 2010 it was actually granted due to more legal pressure pressure sorry that the children can now visit Pascal on their own So they each showed up with, like, new mobile phones with a speed dial button to access her in case their dad did anything, quotes, they didn't like. And they also, I was reading into this, and I really don't know if this is true or not because I wasn't on the source, but I have a feeling as well they had a tracker so she could know where they were at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, The children were different, Pascal said. Like They seemed quite frightened of not only him but the world. Like, they didn't want to go outside, they wanted to stay inside, and they just wanted to be close to their mum. Like, they kept just asking for her, but like in an unhealthy way. Like, they were terrified of everything else. Mm-hmm. Throughout 2010, he was concerned by Teresa's behaviour. And in just the spring of that year, he actually decided he went to court and asked for either joint or full custody as she was no longer fit. Now, as you can imagine, she was absolutely furious. By this, and there was a case on the 12th of July 2010, a visitation case to be discussed, and she failed to show up. So, Pascal obviously reported this to the police, and the police began searching, and they couldn't find her anywhere in the Aberdeen area. They couldn't find her anywhere, and obviously you know what she's like, she just jets off. So they were starting mm-hmm. to panic that she hadn't maybe gone back to the Netherlands. However, she hadn't. She had relocated to a flat on Slateford Road in Edinburgh.
1: Now, Ooh. the house was
0: rented by a man she'd met on a dating site. So, like, even then, like, he's not only a new girlfriend, but she's met this guy on a dating site and is now living in the flat. Checks were done <laughs> and the children were declared safe and she was fine to care for them. However, they revoked all of their passports and they were allocated a new court date. And when the like when the person that came with the court citation gave it to her, she laughed in her face and threw the papers all over the stairwell. So you can tell she's like really not taking this seriously. Pascal wasn't actually the only person that was stressed by her like stressed by her behaviour either. There was a man that she actually met on a dating site online and she said to him that one day he would hear her story in the news. Like, no way yeah a random thing to say to somebody really? and like he didn't think much of it at the time and he didn't really have much context but like when he was thinking about it he was like what does that even mean on the <laughs> 2nd of august pascal got a call from stisa and you know they'd split and the phone call was a mess like she was very upset you know and her behavior was just way too much on the phone so she he basically she basically asked him if he was taking the children and he said he had no further options she kept asking kept asking he kept just being like teresa i have no further options and she eventually calmed down and asked him one more time and he was like teresa i have no further options to which she said "Well, say goodbye to them then and hung up the next morning however was like a normal morning like it was quite normal like they basically, she went to the cinema and took the kids to a KFC for lunch. They're all happy and had quite a nice day out. I went to see night in the museum, which is a great film. Oh, and they went fantastic. back to the flat where they all share not only a flat, but a room. So this day that they went out to KFC and to the cinema, etc., was actually a court date that she failed to show at it again. However, Pascal attended. So when the evidence was given of her basically disappearing and her behaviour and her not turning up to court... A court order was passed for the children to be removed from her and given to social work until further facts.
1: Couldn't on they the just morning, given to her the husband, the dad. Well, I
0: think they basically have to take them off her because he doesn't have full contact yet. All oh, right. Okay. So I think they'd be placed into social work. They would go to court, and he would be granted rights, kind of thing. Right. So on the morning of the fourth of August, Therese and the kids had a normal day, and. Basically, the social worker didn't turn up to remove the kids. Later on this day, there was a loud explosion from the flat and people went outside to see Teresa standing on, like I'm not sure if it's a balcony, but two stories up, just looking really scared and really upset. The bang had came from their flat, which to people sounded like an explosion. But people were shouting up to her to see if she was okay, not to jump. And Teresa let out a massive scream and threw herself head first out of this balcony. She basically, as she fell, her neighbour Jordan attempted to catch her, so took some of her weight. But as you can imagine, she's fallen two stories up from this flat, which also has had an explosion in it. So people have tried first aid and all three emergency services are called as she's laid dying. The neighbour, however, it's actually not neighbour, I think it's someone that owns the like the flat block. I think it's like the kind of building owner noticed that obviously there's been this massive explosion and Teresa's now on the ground fine for her life but none of her children are accounted for so he goes into the building and into her flat to see if he can find them. Um, At this time this is when Pascal has heard the news in his office so he basically... He's a bit panicked, as you can imagine, because he hears like different things going on. There's been an explosion in Edinburgh in a flat, and he knows that his kids live near, live near there. So he actually deals with it in a very calm way, which like I don't understand how he did. So he just basically phones his lawyer and asks if he can find out about these and the kids and make sure everything's OK. His lawyer goes and finds out and really quickly phones him back and basically tells him to leave work and to report into a local police station. Diane Smith, who's the family liaison officer, told him the following so as this building owner had ran in he found three small bodies on the bedroom floor with a space between them and he checked their signs but he knew that all three which was eight-year-old looking and Austin and five-year-old Cecilia had died what was mis- like what makes me feel a bit like when your tummy goes funny is it mm-hmm. when he'd gone into the flat not only were they like all three lying on the floor but there was a laptop playing funeral style music next to them no way way so the first officer on the scene is cid officer neil stone and a gas explosion is a gas explosion like people would be you can imagine how the bodies would be found. however as he gets up there he realizes this isn't a typical scene of a gas explosion so firstly each children is lying in a like each child sorry is lying in a pool of blood a substantial amount a gas explosion isn't going to really make you bleed out and secondly, all three children were lying in a row together as if they had been placed. Mm-hmm. He knew something was wrong, so when he ch- checked their bodies, he found multiple stab wounds on each person's body and defensive injuries on their hands. This wasn't an accident like the explosion, this was murder. Outside, Teresa was being watched by paramedics. She wasn't dead, but she had severe injuries, and she was found with a fractured, fractured pelvis and stab wounds. However, even though she had wounds herself, Theresa becomes the main suspect in this triple murder. She goes to the Royal Infirmary, which is the big hospital in Edinburgh, and that is where she is treated for her injuries and everything that's going on with her. Now, just to go back to the court order, basically the previous day, it was delivered to social work to go and take the uh, the children off her. However, an administrative error caused a delay in the letter going, which is why social work didn't go as it actually oh said she was a danger God. to them and needed to be taken off them so due to an administrative error the letter didn't arrive on the right day oh. in hospital she came to to which immediately she was charged with triple murder and the only word she could really say was just the word no repeatedly she was also charged with illegally ta- illegally tampering the gas hob and lighting it to cover up her crimes Teresa's injuries were for jumping out of a two-story window the okay she had a broken pelvis, a collapsed lung, a fractured leg, and elbow, and some cuts to her body, which, you know, she could have died. Mm-hmm. So like, actually, that neighbour not... kind of saved her, in a way. Yeah, yeah. So she wasn't actually... However, she had stab wounds, but immediately they were kind of clearly self-inflicted. So she's attempted to stab herself. Right. They also noted as well, there were three different knives were used, so a knife on each child, and there was little doubt on who stabbed the children. They all believe it was Theresa. But the thing is, like, why? Like, she was a bit kind of different and she was, you know, but she loved her kids. That's something that everyone is, like, 100%. Do you know, Pascal said she was quite overbearing, but she would, like, never hurt them. And also, like, what was she attempting to do by stabbing herself? Because she used the gas explosion to, like, hide their bodies and to hide what happened. But if she was, like, who would have done the gas explosion? if she was then, like, stabbing herself. So I think she's, like, attempted to, like, stab herself to death as well and realise how difficult that is. And has then done the gas explosion, thinking she'd maybe die in the gas explosion. And then eventually she's tried to commit suicide off the balcony. Mm-hmm. So
1: it was kind so, of like they all. they she wanted them all to die together.
0: Yeah, like a kind of suicide pact.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So they basically tried to seek a confession from her and a psychological evaluation was done but she was very religious, so actually asked to speak with the hospital chaplain. And this is when things actually started coming out. So she said that she felt like she had failed her children and she wanted to be with them always, which is why they believe there was that space on the floor next to them. Like that was her plan to like kill herself in the flat. So there's a space for her to lie there. So that's when all those theories we just spoke about was kind of confirmed, because we think she was lying with the children and basically just couldn't die, really. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She also went on to tell the psychiatrist that God had been calling her children to come home and they also asked her to kill herself. She accepted she had knifed them to death but completely refused acceptance that they were planned and she murdered them. So she said that like, the deaths weren't planned, and it wasn't murder. She was like returning them to God. She was also confirmed to have paranoid narcissistic personality disorder and was having a heightened episode at the time of the crimes. And her belief was that she was losing custody which was a huge factor, like she wasn't in full control of her mind and she just felt like she was losing them. And if God was asking for them back, this is why she's done this. Now, a plea hearing took place in Edinburgh High Court and the defence spoke on her behalf. His initial submission was that she would plead guilty to murder, but not guilty to murder, sorry, she would not plead guilty to murder, but to culpable homicide and partial defence through diminished responsibility due to her disorder. Donald Finlay, who was her defence, pleaded not guilty for her on the gas tampering charge. Now, actually, the Crown accepted both of these, which the gas one, it's hard to prove, and also, like, she's also about to go down for, like, culpable homicide. So really, like, fumbling with a gas tap isn't the main issue right now. Um, The hearing was to basically determine what responsibility should rely upon her because I know she wants diminished responsibility but there has to be some sort of responsibility. Donald says she wasn't evil or a monster, like she loved her kids way too much and when she thought they were actually going to lose them, she thought they'd be better off dead and in the hands of God than actually going with her dad. Lord King Clavin, the judge at this time, accepted that Donald had proven Teresa had a defence and the diminished responsibility. However, she would still require a custodial sentence due to the severity of these crimes in the 2010 like all of this was going on but like someone we kind of forget about and I mention this a bit more later is Pascal like he's lost all three of his children and his wife even though he wasn't with her like there's a whole family like wiped out and they had a service for them in Aberdeen St Mary's Cathedral and actually one of the main officers attended which isn't normally the case but an officer that was dealing with this actually attended the funeral In 2011, she appeared at the Glasgow High Court before Lord Brackadale. She turned up wearing a white suit and a full face of makeup on and she told the court that the children picked this suit out for her when they were still alive. Mm. Yeah, Lord Brackadale spoke about how much she loved her children and actually referred to it as an abnormal amount, which is true. He also noted she was not mentally ill but had a personality disorder. She was then jailed at the High Court in Glasgow when George Lord Brackdale actually described the killing as grotesque and truly disturbing. So, like, which is true. Like, when she's been jailed, like, that's what he says, which is, like, I understand that she wasn't, she was going through a psychotic episode. But he basically added on, the results of these acts is a devastating family tragedy. The father of the children, Pascal Riggi, and the lo- and the wider family have been left utterly bereft by the loss of their children. And you, who had a genuine but abnormal and possessive love of your children, have lost them and are brought to the sorry pass. He said that while Reggie's responsibility had been diminished, she was still responsible for her actions. He said what an appropriate sentence would look like, and he stated that a significant custodial sentence would suffice, and he sentenced her to 18 years in prison. He applied a discount due to the diminished responsibility of two years. And then, so it was 16 years basically backdated to the day of her arrest, which was the day she attempted to commit suicide. That's when she was arrested. He submitted a recommendation of deporting her back to America after she senti- served her sentence as well, as she didn't actually have a citizenship, which she could have had. Like, there was actually no reason she didn't have a citizenship. She just didn't do it, basically like she just didn't do that so in a statement as well read out by the spokesman from victim support scotland outside the high court in glasgow mr riggy said the horrific manner in which my children died will leave an indelible mark on the rest of my life as a father my natural instincts were geared towards safeguarding my children from the dangers of this world it pains me to the core that i was unable to protect them from the selfish brutal and murderous act that ended their life so unfairly there is no justification for this heinous crime repeated three times, nor is there any sentence that can provide justice for the overwhelming loss of three lives and the subsequent painful grief and devastation caused to surviving family and friends. So she was then sentenced, as I said, in 2011, was I say? Yes. She was then sentenced to 16 years in prison, minus the two. But honestly, this is where it just gets even worse. So she was originally held at Colton Vale, which is a female-only prison near Stirling. However, apparently she didn't have a very good time in this prison as she never really left her cell. And her cell was decorated full of like religious memorabilia and full of pictures of her children, which aggravated the other prisoners. Like, you need to kind of, when I read this, I was like, why would that bother anyone? But you need to kind of imagine that there's women in prison whose kids are on the outside and she's in there for murdering her kids. Like, yeah, she's not going to be very well liked at all. And, like, you know, anyone with child crimes isn't liked, but for a woman to murder their own kids. And that's all they know. They don't really need to know. like, And also, they won't care about the kind of mental health or, like, you know, personality disorder side of it. So one day she left her cell. She hadn't really left in weeks, and she went to put a bag of rubbish in the general waste section when a prisoner, Kirsty Lee Davidson, who was 20 years old at the time, was in the room across from her. She saw Teresa get up, so she ran out and attacked Teresa by punching her numerous times before three guards eventually had to get her offer. Teresa stood up and just basically said, I know how you feel, as Kirsty was being dragged away. Kirsty told prison officers that she would do it again as women who harm children do not deserve to feel safe on her floor. I think it was, or her, like, do you know how they all have their own kind of, like, units and, like, whatever in prison? I think she was, like, one of those kind of scary people that, like, run that floor. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, anyway. Um, so she was then moved to another secure part of the prison on November 19th 2011 she thought she was alone in her now more protected cell and had her back to the door when Angela Hamilton who was basically in an obstruction of justice charge snuck in and grabbed her by the hair and began striking at her face with a razor blade by the time guards arrived her face was like ripped up and there was actually clumps of hair missing from her this went to trial actually this one went to trial in September 2014 and she was found guilty in less than like an hour as Teresa was seen to be targeted but she wasn't really denying it she was like okay she was moved to a hospital that was basically ramped and secure hospital in Nottingham in England in 2012 basically and to to the public it was basically told that there was no female facilities like female high security facilities and prisons available for her But they basically admitted that it's because nowhere in Scotland they could keep her, like, safe. Like, no prison Mm -hmm. in Scotland was was someone not going to try and attack her. In prison, she actually then, like, in this facility, sorry, she then developed an eating disorder and had numerous suicide attempts. She also began writing letters of things that happened or was happening to her. However, her paranoia was so increased that nobody actually knew if what she was writing was true or if it was just things she wanted to write down. On March 10th, 2014, the police were called to the hospital at 2am following the death of a woman, and that is where Teresa died. She was found in, in dead. Basically, it was suspicious at first, but then they confirmed it was just death by natural causes brought on by her numerous suicide attempts and a eating disorder. That's basically the end of her story, and by one woman, she has had such an impact on so many people's lives. Do you know, like, I can't imagine how the social work feels like how guilty that that letter didn't come through but I really can't imagine how like Pascal feeling he's known as the forgotten man in this case as he's lost as I said earlier so many people and you know she didn't she served three years before dying yeah. and so that's like no justice at all but I think what also to mention as well is like yes what she done was horrifically wrong but she also has a personality disorder Like, I think it takes a lot, like we said that in the McKeel Cooler case, it takes a lot to kill your own child. But to kill them in such a way where it was actually, it wasn't out of frustration, it wasn't anger, it was out of, like, protecting them. Like, if you think killing your child is a way of protecting them, then obviously something is not right. And I think it is such a shame, but also such an annoying thing that this could have been prevented if the administer thing just worked.
1: Yeah, it's the, like, she needed help from a long time ago, years and years ago, but it just mm-hmm. was looked over by them all, obviously, because... I think Pascal as
0: well, like, I think,
1: I'm not
0: blaming him, I think what he's been through is absolutely horrendous, but, like, he split up with her because he saw things were wrong, like, the whole sleeping with, all, like, the children in the same room, so, like, I just, why was nothing done? Like, I'm not blaming him, but, like, he must have reported no, that agree. so like why did nobody think like okay she has this obsessive control the fact they were homeschooled like and he was saying like they've got absolutely like no social interactions they need to stop being homeschooled like did anyone listen and go like yeah actually you're right let's look at getting them into school like i don't know if anything was done about any of that
1: mm-hmm. it's like kind of an unfortunate system failure again but like also you know Even before the kids, she was acting a bit off, so nothing was done before that either. Yeah, definitely. It must have just been this underlying personality disorder that
0: nobody's really kind of clicked on to. mm -hmm. Which
1: I've realised I've heard this one before. Oh, have you? But only because I thought uh, the only thing I knew was about how the 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 flap blew up and then she jumped off that I did not have a clue about all this drama and everything before that. Yeah, yeah. Mental, and I I didn't realise that, you know, obviously that she was put in prison and that she survived,
0: et cetera. I thought she died at the scene as well.
1: Mm -hmm. The fact that this, like, I'm guessing it is very well known, but, like, we don't, well, I didn't know about it. I'm I'm shook. Mm, Yeah, I
0: think as well how recent it was. But I think people seem to know different versions of it. Like, as I'd said, like, I thought she died in the gas explosion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I never, I knew it was
0: like, a purposeful glass explosion, but I, I didn't know it was to cover up bodies.
1: It was like, like it didn't have as big co- uh, coverage as, like, you know, the Mikhail Cooler one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was kind of brushed over in a way. I think um, a lot of that could actually be so,
0: because Mikhail Cooler was known, and so was his mum. Whereas... As we said, they're homeschooled. They didn't know anybody. Oh, yeah. They didn't have, like, do you know, like, Mikheil Cooler had all these people searching for them. Like, they weren't even from here. And, like, do you know that he, none of them were at school. So none of them had, like, school friends, do you know? Yeah. So that's a huge difference, is they actually weren't known. And that's another thing. They didn't have the support network. Like, I said at the start, she kept herself quite sheltered and she's continued to keep herself sheltered which is why this probably didn't slide under the carpet but why not that many people were involved because she's Mm -hmm. always been like that she didn't have people involved around her and that's probably why she was so protected to her kids because she actually had three people that loved her unconditionally and the thought of losing that was just like way too much to handle.